You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Bigger Than Beer, a podcast dedicated to highlighting inspiring women in various fields of the hop and beer industry. From ground to glass, there are amazing women who make outstanding contributions in this industry every day, and Yakima Chief Hops is on a mission to uh, shine a light on these women, have meaningful conversations, and seek solutions to help the hop and craft beer industry grow and improve. My name is Tony Lynn Adams, and I'm pleased to be serving as host of the Bigger Than Beer podcast. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode eight. Uh, We're going to be discussing hop farming today, and I have a special guest with me, Alexa Weathers, Operations and Processing Manager for Sodbuster Farms. Thank you for joining me, Alexa. Really happy to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. I feel very blessed. Awesome. That's great to hear. We're really excited to kind of dive into this um, side of things with you talking about hop farming and all of your experience and, you know, robust experience in that field. Um, and in that background, it's a very unique uh, experience. So I'm really looking forward to kind of dive in with, with you and having our listeners learn more about that. Uh, for, for those of you that don't know, Sodbuster is a grower owner of Yakima Chief Hops. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about Sodbuster Farms, you know, where you're located, what types of varieties do you grow in, and how long Sodbuster has been in business? For sure. Sodbuster Farms is located in the Willamette Valley. We're around the Salem area, but kind of not in the city. We're out in the boondocks, so to speak. Um, I'm the fifth generation, no, excuse me, I'm the fourth generation farmer. And my great-grandfather started farming in St. Paul, Oregon, and started a little hop farm there, but then later moved over to the Salem area where my grandfather started. My grandpa Don. Um, we have hops, hazelnuts, wheat, grass seed, but we specify in the hop industry. It's what we love. It's what we think we do the best. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of YCH varieties being grower owners. So we're almost everything we have is YCH. The only two fields that we don't have are with, um, with growing strata hops. And that's been fun because that's part of my background growing up at Oregon State. But it's a really fun time down there. It's really fun to be a part of a family legacy. Well, that's awesome. It's really cool to hear about, uh, you know, how it started and how it's grown and, and now where you're at. Um, that's really exciting to, to hear a little bit more about. Uh, so obviously you guys just wrapped up harvest. Um, you, you know, Oregon was a little ahead of, of uh, the farms here in, in Washington, so you were done a little bit earlier. So how did the season go? The season was good it's always good when there is a start and an end (laughs) (laughs) when you see some empty hot fields at the end of it yeah it's it's a very satisfying feeling to see an empty trellis um but harvest was good we got a new picking machine this year which was pretty challenging for the crew to kind of figure it out and get their bearings with it so it was a little bit slower for us than usual but they eventually got it down and they did a great job everyone worked really hard it was it's always challenging with COVID to work really hard, keep everyone safe at the same time and like get a job done. But it's year two with COVID. We kind of like had our bearings with it and what to do and what to expect. Um, we also had a challenge this summer with a weird heat wave in in the middle of summer. It got up to like 115 degrees and it kind of burnt the tops of some of hop fields. And it was really, really scary. Like, oh my gosh, are we going to lose this field? Mm-hmm. So we kind of had to hope for the best on some fields like that were, they were, yeah, they were literally burnt at the top. It was like a kid that got their scalp burnt, like playing by the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of fell off the wire a little bit and started to slip. But eventually they, they kept growing and we were able to harvest them, which was awesome. But later on in the drying process of harvest on those really um, heat damaged fields, we noticed that the dry times on a lot of varieties were a lot shorter, like an hour and a half shorter in the drying period than average years, which was which was hard to adjust to. It was like, wow, okay, this feels like a 9% in the floor. I'm ready to call it. And then it comes out a little bit less, and you're like, whoa, what just happened? So it was a big learning curve in the first couple fields that we were harvesting. We went, eventually figured it out, and were able to get some bales that were 
in the good moisture range. I always like my 10%. <laughs> I was just going to ask you to clarify for those who might not be familiar when you're talking about that 9%, 10%. What does that mean exactly? For sure. So I run the dryer at Sodbuster and we have to deliver bales, hot bales that are in the moisture range of eight and a half to 10 and a half percent. And it's, it's really tricky because there are some technology and tools that help you um, feel when this hop floor is at the right range, but the only tool that has always been accurate is your two fingertips. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard and challenging as a dryer to do that because it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> this is my best guess. Uh, this is about, you know, you have all these tools in your pocketbook that'll help you make that call. But at the end of the day, it's you as the individual that are responsible for making the call on that floor and that moisture range. And obviously the more, um, the more times you do it, the better off that you are and more knowledge you have in your pocketbook, but you only use it for 30 days out of the year. And then you kind of forget about it. It's hard. It's stressful. It's like uh, we talk about this with um, brewing a lot, uh, but it's the same. I mean, to me, it's the same with farming. It's like uh, there's science, but there's also art in it, right? Like there's it's this mi balance and mixture of uh, science and art and skill and, and just experience with that. So that's where that comes in. For sure. um, and then kind of hearing about how like you think you've got it down and then you get delivered like a challenge like that where all of a sudden your drying time is way different than the years prior. Um, that's, this is the nature of farming. It's like, you literally never know <laughs> what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you never know. Yeah. You really never do. Um, so were, were there any highlights from this harvest? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, this year was our first year harvesting Idaho seven, um, which, oh my gosh, it smells amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's for me, it smells really, um, pineapple forward which I'm terrible at sensory so if it's totally wrong that's on me but oh my goodness like when we were drying it you could smell it everywhere and even when it was in the cooling bins like out in the back you're like wow we're harvesting you know crystals right now but I still smell those Idaho 7s back there it's, it was awesome so that was a that was a huge highlight for us to see that crop first year um, in the picking machine and on the drying floor so that was that was a huge highlight and obviously the new picking machine was was really cool for us to have something new um, to be able to harvest our crop and use a little bit less people and really focus on our goals as a, as a farm to do, to do really well in this industry and, you know, come together as a family to harvest the crop and then go home. Yeah. Uh, speaking of family, um, you know, I know that you're, you're part of a big, uh, hop farming family based in Oregon, the Weathers family. Um, so you grew up in the hop farming community. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what that was like? Yeah. Uh, growing up, my dad was always farming. He was always busy, and I'm I'm on the younger side. I'm like late 20s, so I grew up in the 90s, back when times were a little bit rough. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't really have a lot of money during that time, so we I would always go to work with my dad. Um, whenever we didn't have childcare, I was never in school or whatnot. But I was always at work with my dad, which is a really cool experience because I was always in the pickup with him, running around um, in equipment. It was it was a really cool experience. And I thought like, oh, everyone does this because everyone around me was doing this. Um, you know, being out in the community that we were in a farming area, like everyone was riding around with their dad or helping out, you know, or making problems worse. But... <laughs> But that's just kind of what I grew up doing. And like during hop harvest, my dad worked nights. So I never really got to see him for a whole month because by the time that he was home, I was heading off to school and he, he never missed a soccer game, which was really awesome because that's in hop harvest. And he would work all night and then show up to my games, you know, at 3 a.m. his time when it's 3 p.m. for me. But that was always a pretty cool feeling like, oh, my dad's working his behind off but then he's he's always always there for me so that was really cool but it was always a very busy time for us and our backyard was you know a hop field so it was it was a very cool way to grow up yeah and I'm very very blessed because we had the space to do all these things and I got to help my dad so that was it was always really cool but I can definitely relate I think growing up it's like Everyone around you has this farm kid experience. And then as I grew up, I learned that it's a very unique experience and not everyone um, had had this uh, dynamic um, and 
kind of some freedoms and these very unique experiences are very character building and um, it is really cool to, to look back on all the very unique parts of, of growing up on a farm. It's really cool to, to kind of hear about your experience a little bit. Sounds like you had some awesome memories um, growing up in that hop farming family and you know now you're you're in it yourself. That's really cool. So what inspired you to choose to study um, agriculture at Oregon State University? Well, I didn't choose it at first. I, uh, my first year at Oregon State, I was in like pre-med, pre-nursing. Okay. I wanted to be a nurse. That's what my mom did. She was kind of, she didn't like push it on me, but it was very obvious that's something that she wanted me to do. Um, and I loved, you know, anatomy and physiology because of playing sports growing up, like I was... I had a frequent trip to the physical therapist, so like I got to know all the muscles and anatomy and how things worked really well. So it, that was that was the direction that I went into. Um, and the second year of college, I went to Linfield in Newburgh, and or excuse me, McMinnville, and I got into nursing school. I wasn't really happy about it, and my dad was like, "Well, what, what's wrong? You got." you got into school, Mm -hmm. you got into nursing school, kid, like, this is awesome. And and he's just like, why are you sad? And I thought about it. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know if it's like 100% what I want to do. He's like, okay, have you thought about like your future? Like, what are you going to be doing when you grow up, when you graduate, when you have a job? And I'm like, well, I picture myself around the farm. And he's like, well, why the heck are you in nursing school? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to take some time off because I was broke at that point. I'm like, I have no more money to pay for tuition. He's like, take time off, go to work, and then go back to school and figure out kind of what you want to do. Like, don't don't make the dis- this decision and then regret it. Mm-hmm. So after my second year of college, I took some time off, made some money, worked hard, and then was able to go back to Oregon State and just had a general agricultural uh, mindset just because I wanted to get done in four years and continue on with the rest of my life. So I kind of, with an agriculture degree, you get to choose whatever. you Like if you want to go in the business side of things or the farming side of things, there's so many ways to be diverse in like the College of Agriculture. So I got to choose that route and it was awesome. I never, I haven't regretted it since. That's awesome. Uh, and, and what motivated you to choose hop farming in particular as a career path? Out of all those options, you know, going into agriculture, what what drew you to hop farming? Or drew you back, I guess, to hop farming? What drew me back? Well, when I graduated, I was actually a crop, like studying to be a crop advisor. Um, before I graduated in June, in March, before that, I was actually at Wilborellis as a crop ad- as a crop consultant, like kind of making my way up there and being a scout, looking at all these different crops. I really liked it there. It was, it was awesome. I wanted to be there for a little bit longer, but um, the family legacy is something that is very powerful to a lot of us in the industry. And it's something that no one really gets the opportunity to do that except for the small portion of families. And to be able to continue on that legacy is more meaningful than anything. Like I got chills thinking about it, you know, it's, it's something to, it's something different. You have a passion for a career versus a passion with your family and a legacy. It's, Mm -hmm. it's two different things in my opinion. And the one of the family legacy is so much more powerful to be behind Mm -hmm. and to be working and be like, wow, my grandpa used to do this. My great grandpa used to do this. It's, it's a really cool feeling to make them proud, whether they know that or not. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard to find that kind of inspiration, passion, and all of that in like a nine to five job, right? Like it, it's there's so much meaning behind it. That's really um, kind of inspiring and very unique. Like you said, it's like not very many people have the opportunity to be involved in that kind of family legacy. So very very cool to hear about. Uh, what are what are some key components that you took away from your education at OSU and, and brought into your professional career? Well, the last two years is when I was in agriculture, and there were a couple things. There was this weed science class that was the most difficult class that I ever took. We literally had to name, like, the genus species of all these different plants, and, like, you couldn't misspell them. 
You had to have proper capitalization for everything. And I don't, I'm a terrible speller. <laughs> and that, that one was really hard. So that was kind of fun to take with me to um, being a crop advisor and then working at the farm, like identifying all these weeds and choosing which kind of herbicides we want to use. Um, the other one was this class that I took. It was just like a regular crop class, I think. However, the professor, he kind of kept calling me out a lot in class. I was like one of the only students that had taken that weed class. So he's always like, Alexa, what's this? What's this? What's this? He would always kind of pick on me. And then when he finally figured out that I wanted to be a crop advisor, he was like, you're never going to make it. And I looked at him and I was like, wow, you're mean. (laughs) (laughs) And so... I don't know, I kind of stuck that in my pocket, and I was like, well, watch this. Yeah, kind of put a little chip on your shoulder of like, well, that's a challenge, and I'm going to see that I do kind of thing. Yeah, so that that one I kind of stuck in my pocket. What lessons did you learn in school that ended up being really important in the workforce? I think school was overall really challenging, and it was it was really difficult to juggle work and life and school. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like I worked at a brewery to pay for school as a waitress. Like it was a brew pub. Um, I was doing that for like 30 hours a week. And because I wanted to finish school so fast, it was 18 credits in a term. And then on top of that, I worked for the university. So just a lot of work-life balance, but it was like, you got to, you got to push it until you're done. Right. So don't give up on what's important to you and finishing, like starting something and finishing it, like because you'll have that achievement for like with you forever, which is really awesome to like say that I got to go to a university and finish it and I have a degree. I feel a lot more accomplished. Um, I mean, of course, there's a lot of knowledge that comes with going to a university, whatever you're doing there. But really, I think that was the biggest thing for me was starting it and finishing it and feeling accomplished and knowing that I have this achievement in in my pocketbook, in my portfolio to go ahead and know that there's a lot of opportunities for me out there. Yeah. Can you, can you walk me through your career path following your studies at Oregon State? For sure. So... At Oregon State, I worked at a brew pub as a waitress to pay for school. I started working for the university underneath Dr. Sean Townsend at the Aroma Hop Breeding Farm as his assistant, like an assistant breeder. And then from there, I was also a scout for Wilbur Ellis, which is a chemical and fertilizer company, Um, just looking at crops and fields and letting farmers know what, what we see out there and then making suggestions from that for what to apply or for what not to apply. Um, and then from Wilbur Ellis, I started working with my father at Kerr Supply Company and his farm, Willamette Mission Farms. That was that was a super challenging and fun time to take what I've learned in the past and kind of apply it to real life farming, although it was on a smaller scale, and then helping nearby hop farmers with the supply company. Um, after three years of that, I decided to move over to help my uncle's farm, which is Sodbuster's farm. And from that, I've been there a year, and it's been awesome, and I love it. That's fantastic. I'd like to come back to your work as a hop breeder assistant at Oregon State, because I know that is something a lot of our, our listeners would be interested in learning more about. Um, what responsibilities did you have in that role? So as a, as a hop breeding assistant, um, I was, like I said, I was underneath Dr. Sean Townsend, and he was the creator of Strata. Um, essentially, like, we mixed the, the dudes and the gals and made new varieties. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really cool. Um, Sean was one of the best bosses I've ever had, and it was a really challenging job because it was something I've never been a part of, and it's based all around genetics, and here's a, a young gal coming to this hop farm. I was like, okay, yeah, I know kind of what to do a little bit. I got some background, but then he was talking about all these genetics and crosses and I'm like, okay, you lost me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you need me to go hop on a tractor? I can go do that. 
<laughs> but it was it was so cool. He brought all of this really interesting information down to a, a farmer farm kid's perspective, and really taught me a lot. He he is so awesome, and I owe I owe a lot of um, my role now and what I do. I owe a lot of it to him. He he was really good at like explaining things to us and having us work hard, but understand the value of like your work-life balance, um, everything that we did came with like a learning lesson, which was really cool. Um, we essentially, there was this five acre plot farm on OSU's campus that we got to cross male and female plants, all public varieties and make new ones to help out farmers nowadays, whether that's agronomically speaking, or also helping out brewers, getting a different profile for something that's new and interesting for them, and kind of taking a collaborative effort for the hop industry and creating something new that everyone is excited about. Because you could have a really good uh, hop that's great for brewers, but it could be awful to grow for farmers. So like bringing all of that information together. So we would rate different, um, different plants on a scale of like their disease pressure, their pest pressure, how they look, um, the col- I mean, the color, the smell, everything. So it was really cool to gather that information for him and know what kind of varieties that he would really like to choose versus like what everyone else was thinking. Um, we had some really old equipment, so that was really fun to choose. It was always an open cab tractor and it was really hot. It was really dusty. And the small plots you had to weed by hand it kind of brought me back to like square one and whenever the generation before um, mine goes like, oh, we used to weed this by hand and have open cab tractors. It's like, I know, I've been there. I've, been, I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> and like moving hand line irrigation. So I don't even know what that is, but that's, and nowadays we have a piece of tubing out in the field that's over the hop hill that delivers water with little emitters onto the each, like every 24 inches and if you don't have that, you have to go back to the old ways of three-inch pipe that's pretty heavy and 20-foot sections, give or take, and with sprinklers on them. And you have to move each individual one to cover ground. And it can only go 25 feet out. So that was super fun. I've moved hand lines, and it's not fun. Hey, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking about. So, yeah, it's like one of those, uh, I label those as like character building moments. <laughs> Precisely. Sure. It's yeah. stuff that you will never forget, but you're grateful that you've done it. Oh, absolutely. Luckily, I only had to do it on five acres of land. Mm-hmm. So I'm very blessed that it was a small scale, but yeah. I still will never forget it. So a couple things about, about this experience stand out to me. Um, one, sounds like you learned a lot of like leadership um, you know, from working in this program, some things that you potentially like have, have brought in with you, um, to, to your now role. Um, and then also like you were talking about how you were involved with Strata and now that's something that you grow on your farm. And I think that's really interesting to kind of, you know, be able to look back and say, I was part of that from the beginning. That's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And it's really cool to keep that bond with Sean because he's, He's like a father figure to me. He taught me a lot. Like you're saying, he taught me a lot of management and leadership skills that that I'll always have. And I hope he knows how special he is to me. I hope he's listening to this podcast. I hope so too. You have to send him this link and say, (laughs) just a little shout out for you. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. Um, Thanks for kind of walking me through that. That sounds like an amazing experience. And I know we'll probably have some some hop heads listening to this who are going to just geek out about the fact that you're part of a a hop breeding program as well. Perfect. (laughs) So so, uh, kind of moving on to, so at the same time that you were a farm manager um, at Willamette Mission Farms, you were also working for Curse Supply, you know, helping to supply the farming community with materials that they need to run to run their operations. So being a, a farmer yourself, how did this help you really understand the customers that you're working with? Well, I understood how tired they were. <laughs> um, there was, I really wanted to work really hard so they didn't have to. Yeah. Um, what's cool about Curse Supply is they mostly just supplied to the Oregon hop industry, and it's people that I grew up with. It's some of my cousins, family members, my neighbors. So mm-hmm. it was it was awesome to be able to support them. I really appreciated everything that they did. And what's cool about also working like on a farm, even though it's a little bit smaller scale than what everyone has right now, it was 
I got to do exactly what they were doing. I mean, they are way smarter than I am, but <laughs> I got to do what they did. So I understood like their long nights or long days. I think at least three times a year, I, I had to work like a 36 hour straight just so I could spray at night and mm -hmm. then deliver product to everybody um, during the day. And I'm like, man, there's, there's people out there that do this. I don't ever want to do that again, but I will do it for you guys because you guys are so special and so dear to my heart. But it was so cool. Everyone in Oregon, we're, we're so close. We're such a family. And like we go to, we go to everybody's weddings. We like know their grandparents. We know their kids. Our kids hang out together. We hang out together on the weekends. Like it's so awesome to be a part of that and to support them and watch, watch everybody grow, especially like in my generation, you know, everyone's starting to have family and get married, and it's really cool to see that and support them. And there, there's some tough cookies out there. They're they're awesome people. Yeah, it's it's not just an industry; it's community. Um, so, like you said, that you're you have connections to 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 who were your customers, your neighbors. Um, you have all these connections, and then being able to understand the entire process and experience that yourself. All of a sudden, you're probably looking at these products being like, you're going to want this one because it's going to make your life easier. Like, this is going to simplify, bring more efficiency, kind of able to understand what they're really looking for. Um, so that's really kind of very interesting to learn about from, you know, being on both sides of like supply and also being on the, on the farming side. Very cool. Uh, you have a lot of experience in many different areas of the hop industry, as we kind of talked about, from, from hop breeding to farm supplies. What knowledge did you bring from working in those areas as you transitioned into your current role as operations and processing manager at Sodbuster? Well, I would call it like a a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Um, I have, I, I guess I do have a lot of different experience because I've done like accounting. I've done, you know, a lot of bookkeeping. I've done the supply stuff, the breeding stuff. I have a little bit of knowledge from everywhere, but I'm not great at everything. <laughs> um, I I have to learn and be patient. Well, everyone has to be patient with me because I'm still I'm still learning. Like I've only had a, a few years of experience everywhere, but I'm very thankful for those opportunities that I had and to be able to bring them to the table. And it might be appealing to everyone, but I still need a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 really cool. It's really cool. I will never forget any of those experiences, and then they will always be with me. And it's it's cool to bring to the table. And I'm happy to help my team now with those questions. They'll be like, "Hey, can you go get us this trellis supplies?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I know those. <laughs> I know the numbers." <laughs> or like downhower, like picking machine parts. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's that's this number, and it's located here at the shop. You know, if you need it, I I can walk them through it and go pick it up." Or I don't know. I can talk about the breeding process of hops, but it's kind of boring. <laughs> but some people are interested some in that. Some people are really interested in that, yeah. And that's great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. That's what we like to hear. Um, so can you can you tell me a little bit about your responsibilities in your current role? At Sodbuster, um, we're, we're a team, so we kind of dive into a lot of different things. Um, but we have this core group of people in Bangalore. They're awesome. They they work really hard. Mm -hmm. We all do, and we all do it for the grand scheme of like working together and providing a life for everyone that everyone will enjoy and love and be excited to show up the next day to give give it your all and then go home to your families and chill out. That's mm -hmm. that's what we really like. Um, but right now I'm kind of working on all the irrigation, taking that over from Frank Davidson who's been at our hop farm for, oh my gosh, like I think he said 18 seasons. Um, he is definitely the jack of all trades and the master of everything. Like he's, he's awesome. And it's really cool working with him and learning, learning everything that he has to offer. Every day I get to spend with him. And I'm like, so what do you think about this? What do you think about this? He probably thinks I'm a toddler because I'm asking so many questions. He's like, oh my gosh, will you stop? <laughs> but he has so much offer, um, so much knowledge to give. Um, so yeah, taking irrigation over from him, we have 14 different irrigation wells on our farm, and it's really important that we check them every day because something is uh, something always goes wrong. <laughs> so taking that over and that takes up, you know, a, a good majority of my day between well, May until harvest. Um, 
but then, you know, driving tractor, field work, helping crews. um, Because of my agronomy background, I get to help out our on-farm agronomist, Abner Mondragon, and he is so much smarter than I am. (laughs) He's, he's got this on lock. Like he's, He's awesome at it, but it's really cool to offer support and then also just quiz him a lot. I'm like, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? What about this? And he's just like, no, we should do this. I was like, well, okay, I was just curious. <laughs> but he's really smart. So helping him out, like kind of being like a, just like a sidekick for him, just support to give him everything because I know his job is really demanding and he he's bilingual so he helps out a lot with the crews and I just kind of offer support so all of that doesn't get put on his shoulders so we all kind of support each other and it's really cool to have this team aspect at Sodbuster because because beforehand like it was always like kind of one person maybe two people running the show but now it's there's five of us really running the show and it's it's awesome because it's always a team effort. We're always collaborating on like, okay, I think we should do this. What does everyone think? And everyone's like, yeah. Or someone might pipe up and say, hey, what about this? Or mm-hmm. the operator that's driving this tractor says, maybe we should switch and do this. It's really cool to have, to, to everyone to have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, at Sodbuster, I also help out with Global Gap, Salmon Safe. I run the dryer during hop harvest and I oversee the bailing crew and all the semi trucks that go out. Um, I kind of just offer a hand wherever. I recently learned how to weld. Um, what? <laughs> that's been it's really not fun. easy, by the way. <laughs> I, am, I am terrible and I will put my neighbor Steve Sharon to shame if he ever were to see the welds. It looks like bubblegum, but but I'm trying. I'm learning He's, and it's you, great. That's so awesome. I mean, what a skill set to have. This, I mean, it's very important on a farm, um, but very challenging to, to learn. That's awesome. That's super cool to learn about. Yeah. My boss, uh, Jake, who is um, my cousin, Erica, it's her husband and he's kind of He's kind of taken over the show along with his wife, Erica, and Jake was like, all right, you said you wanted to learn how to weld. And I was like, yes, will you teach me, please? He's like, yep, because whatever you break, you now have to fix. And I'm like, oh, darn it. <laughs> Immediately regret it. <laughs> but it's been, it's been really cool. It's been a really cool experience to have that support in the team, and, and we all work together, and now I have to fix what I break. There you go. <laughs> so it is a good skill. Um, you know, it, Lex, it sounds like you... you are very inquisitive and curious and like have this this drive to continue to learn i mean when you're talking about adding these new skills to your portfolio um that you know will benefit you and will benefit the farm operations asking these questions from people who have like so much experience and knowledge from their their harvest you know their a wealth of knowledge and so it's like can I pick their brain can I find out what they know can I learn why they chose to do it this way versus that way so that if I ever get in this a similar situation I can see that thought process and what they've learned um so it's just interesting to hear about the personality um traits of you know that you bring to the table about being inquisitive being curious asking the questions and then also this this drive to continue learning and I'm sure that serves you well in your career and and at your role at Sodbuster. Thank you. Of course. You you mentioned um, how things can go wrong sometimes. There's always, you know, things that come up. Uh, and we know that agriculture in general is a really unpredictable industry, from weather to wildfires to the heat that you mentioned, and then, you know, an unprecedented global pandemic. Um, can you tell me about some of the challenges that you face as someone who is managing day-to-day operations under these conditions? Yeah. Well, you start out by brainstorming with the team on what you're going to do, whether that's field work, harvest, you name it. You start by brainstorming, trial and error, you know, you kind of test out your plan a little bit. And then once Mother Nature allows you the opportunity, you kind of throw that plan out the window. <laughs> because it, it, it doesn't always work right in the in the real life situation of farming. Like, mm-hmm. This winter, like, Abner and I um, at Sodbuster have been trying to develop a plan for field-by-field, like, assessment, what we're going to do. But Frank chimes in, and he goes, just wait. Might not work at all. <laughs> and we're like, okay, thanks for the positive support, Frank. He's like, just remember that, like, you can try as much as you can to planning, and that's awesome. But it doesn't always 
move from paper brainstorming to the field. And that's always really challenging. So you always have to keep a flexible personality and just know that it might always work, but it might be a huge success. So being flexible, being adaptive to whatever this world throws at you from, like you're saying, a global pandemic to the heat to the rain. Oh my gosh, the rain in Oregon. Uh, that one's that one's always a challenge. Um, but you just gotta be flexible. You just gotta fly by the seat of your pants sometimes and go for gold. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, farming operations are really at the mercy of some elements that are completely out of your control. And that's it's like the exciting part of it. It's the it's what makes it this very interesting community and career path to be a part of always is interesting i have yet to experience a harvest in the different commodity you know agriculture products that i've been a part of where everything went perfectly you know i have yet to experience that and everyone's like oh this is a strange season i'm like i think y'all are lying there is no such thing as a normal harvest mm-hmm. um that's just kind of the nature of things but it also is like you said you got to learn to adapt and what you can make these plans but they don't always transfer you know from paper to, to action so how can you when you're in the field, it, you know, in the moment, kind of problem solve, try and figure out what to do next. What have been some of the most rewarding aspects of, of working in hot farming? I mean, there's, there's challenges that we talked about, but what's been the most rewarding thing? I think the most rewarding is our crew. To me, like seeing them have a, a good place to work every single day and to come to the farm every day like happy and knowing that they have a really stable job and that they enjoy it here I think that's to me it's the most rewarding thing because everyone on the farm means so much to me and all of our employees whether they're seasonal or full-time man to be with them is is a blessing it really is and I'm very excited to work really hard to make to make our team a success or or failure whatever whatever happens but to make it a success is the most rewarding thing and also beer yes that is a great benefit to working yeah knowing that night. you're gonna have a beer at the end of the day is really awesome <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you can't see this because it's an audio platform, but she really said it with heart when she said that. <laughs> I can see it on her face. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so so being being a podcast focused on, on women in the industry, I'd like to know more about what it is like to be in a leadership role on a farm in a male-dominated industry and day-to-day environment. For sure. Um, well, yeah, I'm one of the only girls at the farm, Um that will go in a tractor, not saying that my cousin Erica or HR manager won't step into one. They definitely would, but I'm kind of the one that's always out in the field. Um, it's really fun. It's Everyone thinks it might be like a disadvantage, but I have all the advantage in the world, which I, I don't want to tell everyone that, but I, I do. Um, like going into like the parts store, everyone remembers me. Because they don't see many girls. Um, everyone remembers my name. It's it's kind of a cool feeling to feel appreciated and to have that support. But um, sometimes I let the crew down, which is really upsetting because I am a girl. Like, sometimes I do have to call, you know, Frank, Jake, or Abner and be like, Hey, I uh, my arms are twigs. <laughs> I can't. I can't do this. Do you think you can come and help me? I think that's the most upsetting because they know, they can hear my voice. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you and just stop whatever you're doing, but I really need help. That's That part kind of sucks, but I guess I'll just have to go to the gym and work on these twig biceps. But that that part's really hard, you know? And like, yeah, I'm, I'm a girl and girls potentially want to have families and that's something that's in my future and that's, it's kind of hard to think about because I know that I'm not going to be what I am right now, potentially. Like I do see a lot of women that do have kids and are still farming. That's awesome. And I hope I can do that too. But it's kind of a scary thought that I'm 100%. I'm giving 100% of myself right now, but I hope I can do that when I also have, have kids um, and have a family and 
because they deserve it. My, the crew that I work with and the team, they deserve everything that I have to offer because that's what they give every single day. And I just want to make sure I match it. And I give everything that I have because that's what they're doing. And then they deserve that. So, yeah, I mean, that is a challenge. I mean, that's a challenge in not only this field, but so many fields of figuring out how to balance, you know, your your goals for the future. If you, you know, balancing family life um, and, you know, potential motherhood or or whatever that is or whatever that, you know, family relationship looks like. Um, And then also, you know, your your career. And it's a very difficult decision for a lot of people. and I think I could definitely kind of pick up, you know, it's like you feel maybe torn in, in two different ways. Um, and it's a challenge I think a lot, a lot of women deal with of, of this balance of trying to figure out how to balance these two two different worlds. But, you know, seeing how they can make it into one, seeing how you can make it cohesive. Um, you, you kind of mentioned being, you know, standing out because you – are women and so there's there's not very many in in this field and i know from personal experience being in farming that you can often be the only you know female at a meeting or in a room at in this industry so what personality traits skills or or approaches have helped you to succeed in in your leadership role yeah um sometimes you can be an outlier um i guess it's never really bothered me because there is so much support, like a lot of a lot of my um, industry friends and family that I grew up with are just like, go for it, kid. Mm-hmm. Like, don't back down and keep up with me. So that's been really cool to have that support. I've, you know, I've I've been talked down to a couple times, but it's it doesn't really phase you. It's just a chip on your shoulder. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna work a little bit harder just mm-hmm. so I can prove to everyone that I that I belong here. Um, but everyone is so inviting in this hop industry. So whether that's being at like a commission meeting or, you know, a YCH event, like everyone is so supportive. And luckily the generation before me, you know, has a lot of females in it already. So they might've taken the brunt of that. And I really hope they didn't. I really hope that they got the support, same support that I did because it's been nothing but good news here. And it's really awesome. But yeah, there's definitely some females before me that I looked up to. So I know it was a a safe place to be. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, It is, it is a unique experience and uh, very thankful for the women who've come before us and blazed a trail and made it possible, um, who are willing to also do the same thing, stand in, stand in a room um, and really make some amazing, like exactly what we're trying to highlight you know amazing contributions to the industry uh we would not be where we are today without the the men and women who have you know blazed a trail in this industry and agriculture in this community so we've got to be thankful for that and kind of think of the opportunities that we have ahead it's for sure yeah very lucky very lucky indeed um has, has you know you you kind of mentioned this um talking about how you had mentors and has there been anyone in your life that has served as a mentor for you personally or professionally or anyone that has been particularly inspiring to you? Yeah. Um, I talked a little bit about Sean Townsend and how he solidified my reasoning of going into the hop industry and doing what we do every day. Um, as a kid in high school, I worked for a hop farming family for a couple years and I kind of had no idea what I was doing because I got taken from, you know, my family's operation and moving to another operation. So it was really cool to to learn how they did things. And this was at F&B Farms. Um, and the Gishwell family are really cool people. Um, and specifically, Heidi Gishwell was really, really inspiring to me because you, I saw her and she's just working around in the shop and working around in the retail nursery and doing literally whatever anyone asked her. And I was like, whoa, she's got it figured out. Like Mm -hmm. she's like no hesitation, grabbing, grabbing tools in the shop, like working on equipment, driving equipment, you name it, anything from big or small. Like I was like, okay, she's not worried. I don't need to be worried. She's got it figured out. 
I want to have that same confidence in myself to know that I can do certain things that even if I'm scared to do them, like you can do it. You just got to put your mind to it. And like that, that family between Heidi, Fred, Lee, and Bill, like they were all so confident in, in not only themselves, but their, their husbands and their spouses to get work done. And so it was really cool to know that I could be there in that same situation, whether I was in the office or on the farm. It was, it was really cool to, to picture that. And I hope they realize how much of their work ethic is inspiring to others to know that you can do whatever the heck you want to do. Right. You know, it's, you, you mentioned some things about like in, finding inspiration from Heidi and, and watch and observing her and how, um, she works. And I can assume, you know, kind of based on our conversation that, you know, based on your personality, your work ethic, you know, someone out there is probably looking up and seeing your work ethic, what you do on a day to day and being inspired by you. And, and like, we're, we've talked about this on this podcast before and it's so important of mentor, mentee, when you, when you find a mentor or an inspiring leader and then you emulate that, but also keeping in mind that someone, you know, you could serve that role for someone else down the line. And it's like, it's this domino effect, right? Of, of continuing to inspire more women. Um, and this kind of leads me to my, to my next question of how do you, how do you feel we can get more women involved in the agricultural side of this industry and create more growth opportunities for women? Um, well, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there for anyone, like whether it's an internship in the agricultural field or hop industry, there's a lot of internships available. And especially now with a job crisis, everybody's needing somebody. So it's, it's going to be really easy to step in and you just got to have that confidence in yourself, no matter whether you're a male or female or whatever gender you identify as it's. You can do it. You can, you really can. You just have to be confident and you have to stay humble and stay hungry and have that drive and keep going. Um, it's really weird to think that I myself can be um, in influencing aspect in someone else's life because I'm, I don't know, I'm 27 and I mess up a lot. But <laughs> um, yeah, anyone, you can do it. Like whether you have experience or not just stay humble stay hungry and have that drive to do it and you'll go far yeah there there are so many opportunities um and i think about in agriculture i mean it's really endless there's there's people needed on every aspect um and especially when we're talking about communities like you know i think about my local community here in the yakima valley your local community in oregon it's very ag focused ag centered and there's just so many career opportunities there. And I just, I, I always try to encourage, um, if anyone's, you know, looking for, for a career path, a new career path, or, or just starting out, there's so many opportunities out there to get involved. And it doesn't, you know, there's the agricultural side of things. You know, I, I think about so many kids that grew up as farm kids. And now there's this opportunity to pursue uh, all, all these kinds of opportunities, even if maybe you, you don't have the opportunity to go back and farm, there's still like, you're talking about like crop consultants. There's, there's that whole side of things. You can still be tied to the land. You can still be tied to, to farming. Um, so I just encourage, you know, anyone listening, if you're interested in ag, there's tons of opportunities out there yeah. to, to, to find them. Uh, there's, there are plenty. Yeah. It's very, very diverse. Like you're saying, you can do like accounting, bookkeeping, being a crop consultant, working in the fields, a scout, you can, um, you can, like a weather monitor, you're still tied to agriculture. Everything comes back down to the soil, no matter what you do. Everything mm-hmm. starts from the ground up, and whether that's, you know, even in construction or anything, you can all help in agriculture. Yeah. You could be recording a podcast talking about agriculture. Exactly. Marketing, <laughs> digital media, yep. for sure. Communications, we need it. Um, what advice would you give other women pursuing careers in hop farming? In hop farming particularly I hope you like beer <laughs> um I, I like we're just talking about like the the possibilities are are endless on a hop farm specifically like we just talked about like bookkeeping like without our bookkeeper and HR manager 
Oh my gosh, I don't know where we'd be. I don't know, probably owe a lot of money on taxes or something because we'd mess it up. <laughs> but everyone in the hop industry is is really dependent on one another, especially like on a, on a farm. And I think a good starting place for anybody is as an internship, really figure out if you like it. And almost every farm has a summer job opportunity. Like we we have an internship program every summer. Um, and it's really cool because you take what they're wanting to learn and then apply it into their day-to-day. Like obviously they have a specific job that they need to do, whether it's checking irrigation, looking for males or what have you. You can incorporate that into that summer internship. If you want to learn more about bookkeeping, if you want to learn about social media or marketing, like you can incorporate that into that summer and there's possibilities are endless. So just taking that step, looking to farms and figure out, okay, where do I want to be at what farm and which state do I want to be in? And then ask her around. Yeah. Everyone will definitely hire you no matter what experience everybody's looking. Yeah. And it's a, and you know when you think about those internships, it's a great way to get your foot in the door, get some sort of experience. You know, I, I think back a little bit to like my summer drives work as a field scout as well, and I was working in hop yards and I I didn't know a whole lot of anything about hops themselves. I was just counting I was counting pests, <laughs> I was counting bugs. That's what I always described it as. Um, and now I look back and I'm like, wait. Now I'm here working in digital marketing for a hop company. There's, you never know, just getting your foot in the door. You never know what's going to inspire you, what, what product or, or crop or, you know, field of study is all of a sudden going to light a fire under you. Um, so I think that's, that's great advice to just f- seek out those opportunities, find where they, you know, find where they're at. There are a ton out there. Um, and I, I really liked your advice of uh, uh, stay humble, stay hungry. Was that what it was? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Do you have any other uh, takeaways that you'd like to give to our listeners? Any words of in- encouragement or ideas for the future? I don't know if I have any good ideas, but yeah, words of encouragement, like stay humble, stay hungry, get after it, have confidence in yourself. And for me as a woman, I always like to thank the men and not just the women, but the men and women around me, because I, everything I learned, I learned from a guy, but I also looked up to all these women as it, as an influence to know that I could do it, but the guys taught me and and the girls, so like support everyone in this industry because once you do that, everyone will have your back and at the end of the day, the harder you work, the the better your beer tastes. That's right. There's a lot of hard work that goes into those uh tasty delicious cold beers that everyone's sipping on and loves there's a lot that starts from from ground ground glass that we were talking about so mm-hmm. uh we appreciate your work on that alex very much uh beer drinkers and and hop suppliers here um so th- thank you for joining me on the podcast alexa we are very fortunate to have uh awesome talented and motivated motivated individuals such as yourself in this industry and um to be a part of of this industry uh, is, is just really cool. Um, thank you listeners for tuning in and all of your support of bigger than beer. Uh, we have work ahead of us. So, and today is a great day to get started. So let's create something bigger than beer. 